0: You're listening to PetLiferadio.com.
1: Welcome to Pet Life Radio's on the road with Mac and Molly. Thanks for tuning us in. Speaking is your host, Donna Haleson, and joining us today will be Tim Hetzner, President of the Addison, Illinois-based Lutheran Church Charities. Tim was with a team of LCC Canine Comfort Dogs ministering to folks in Boston after the marathon bombings. And he is now in West Texas leading a six-dog, eight-handler team attending to those so devastated by the fertilizer plant explosion there. In this program, you'll hear about the work of the LCC Canine Comfort Dogs and how they are equipped to calm, And to assist people in opening their hearts to receive help in times of need. We'll hear about the team's history and its work in Boston and Texas. All this and more after these messages. So please stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: We're back. This is your host, Anna Haleson, and you're listening to On the Road with Mac and Molly. Joining us now is Tim Hetzner, president of Lutheran Church Charities, who ministers with the LCC Canine Comfort Dogs. Welcome, Tim.
2: Well, good to be with you.
1: Well, I'm wondering if we might begin our conversation with some history. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your preparation, and then would you give us a broad sense of the ministries of Lutheran Church Charities?
2: Well, my background is I was in parish ministry for 25 years and then came to uh, head up Lutheran Church Charities, which is a uh, ministry to share the mercy and compassion of Christ and bring healing to people through His presence. And so we do disaster response work, we work through Churches to help provide assistance for families or individuals that are in need, and also deploy volunteers out in uh, mission trips and, and in disaster response situations. So we have been involved in well, every major disaster in the United States and in Haiti since Katrina and uh, so we were out on the East Coast in New York and New Jersey with Superstorm Sandy. That had hit out there, and we're out in Newtown with our dogs And uh, on the 15th of December with the shootings took place on the 14th, and we still have dogs out in Newtown today in Sandy Hook Elementary School. We've been there the whole time that school has opened back up, and dogs serving the counselors and students and, and families that are in that school and in that community. So the K-9 ministry actually started in August of 2008, We started with four dogs because we saw the value of of what dogs can bring as uh, creation of God to uh, bring healing to people and help people process uh, crises or just some of the things that life throws all of us. And uh, so we started with four dogs, and today we have over 60 in uh, seven states, soon to be 10 states. So the the, uh, ministry of the dogs has grown considerably, and uh, we continue to grow. We use all of our own breeders and And we use all golden retrievers, and uh, the uh, we start training the dogs when they're about five months old, and they one on one with a trainer uh, for about eight months to a year, depending on the dog. and uh, they're trained and certified as service dogs, although we don't use them as service dogs because we're not handicapped. But because that's such a that's a high level of training, we wanted to have a the high level of, uh, of our trained dogs. And then we specify the training depending on where they're going to be placed in the church or school.
1: What was the impetus or the, or the inspiration for the formation of these teams? Well, you know, it started way back in Katrina
2: when uh, we were asked to come in and do search and rescue for people that had, had dogs or, or animals because FEMA was only taking people but would not take their animals. And there were many people that would not part with their animal. And even at the risk of death, so we did search and rescue, and rescue people and their pets, and saw that the great power and the value of a pet, particularly in crisis situations, for people. So out of that, it's kind of grown, and and we've we've always recognized uh, the value of that, and and decided not to wait for disasters to uh, bring in dogs. That we would start up, uh, getting our own dogs and training the handlers, and start placing dogs to serve. And so when there is a disaster, we can deploy them out, but when there's not a disaster, they do nursing homes and hospitals and funerals and whatever is going on in that community where they're placed or in schools. So it's been a, been quite a ride (laughs) with it and, uh, Mm -hmm. much faster than we anticipated. But, uh, the thing that keeps us going with it is it, it is one of the most effective ways I have ever seen in reaching people and helping people in their process of, of what they're going through. Because, uh, we use all Goldens because they're good inside and outside, and they're a smart dog, and they're, and they're friendly, and the Golden Retrievers are just lovers, and so uh, they're a great dog to use, and, and uh, the, the great success with the people, because many times people will talk to a dog before they'll talk to a person.
1: Now you anticipated my question, you know, why Goldens? And I do wonder what you look for in a dog that you believe will make him or her a good fit for what you're attempting to do. I wonder if you might also speak a bit about how the dogs and the handlers are chosen for the program and how both the canines and the humans are trained.
2: Well, what we uh, the screening of the dogs, because not all Goldens will make necessarily a good comfort dog. So we, at five weeks, five and a half weeks, with a new litter, we uh, screen those dogs by their temperament, by placing them upside down in the palm of our hand, and based on how they react from that. So we look for dogs that, that have more of a comfortable demeanor to them. We start training them. The, the other unique thing about our ministry and the, and the dogs that we use uh, is all of our dogs are trained to, have, to be able to have multiple handlers. So when we place a dog, we work with the school or the congregation uh, in, in identifying two caregivers, are like primary and secondary. This is where the dog goes at night. So it can be a dog and be brushed out and play ball and that kind of stuff and, and relax. And if the primary is out of town, then it goes to the secondary because we will not kennel our dogs because they pick up bad habits of barking and other things. The handlers then are trained not only in the handling of a dog, and understanding that dog, but are trained also in how to utilize a dog in various situations. All of our dogs have to be able to work with all age groups, which is another screening process as as we start working with the dog. We could spend six months to eight months with the dog and find out that there's certain age groups that they just don't like. And and those dogs uh, don't make it on into the program because our dogs have to be able to relate with little children to elderly to handicapped, uh, to mentally handicapped So it's a whole gamut of what we're asking our dogs to be able to do and have to feel comfortable with uh, multiple handlers, six or more, that will take the dog out in various situations. So it's a pretty stringent training program, not only for the dogs uh, in screening process, but also for the handlers. Handlers, probably our biggest thing with handlers is teaching them to shut up. (laughs) Or as the dogs say, they need to bark less. So, when we show up uh, and we never go in any place we're not invited, but when we're at some place, we let the dogs do their magic, and people pet the dog, and then we let the people talk and and we're not there to counsel people. we're there to listen to people and show the mercy and compassion of Christ. and that's what makes it so special with the dogs is dogs are excellent listeners, and they show unconditional love, they're confidential, they don't take notes. They're great lovers, and they connect well with people and helping people to process what they're going through. And it's a medical fact that when somebody pets a dog, that it it reduces their blood pressure and and helps them to relax. So, you know, like out in Newtown and also in Boston, there were people that came up that were traumatized, and they start petting a dog, and then they start talking to the dog, and they start Mm -hmm. telling the dog what happened. And so we just Mm -hmm. listen. And allow them to do that. And sometimes they'll repeat their story two or three times. But that's, that's a key part of the healing process for the person. We've just found it very, uh, one of the most effective ways to help people in all kinds of situations, whether it be disaster or, or other situations. So in Boston, we spent well, a lot of time just with people on the street and in the hospitals
1: let's take a break and when we come back let's focus on the team's experiences in boston and in texas ministering i understand to first responders to survivors to folks on the street to the families of those who were so immediately impacted by this and just folks that you would have encountered who would have just been shaken to the core by these horrific events so let's do that let's take a break and uh, listeners we hope that you will stay with us and uh, we'll be right back
0: Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Radio has fur flying fantastic deals for our listeners. Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetcoDeals.com. But, but that's not all. Are you talking to me? Get life radio listeners. Try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air Muscle and Radio Root Cyclone Tech. Technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson animal back to the Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, pet PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com Hi!
1: For the inside scoop at working like dogs on
0: petliferadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Petliferadio.com. Pet
1: we We're back. And you're listening to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson. And we're speaking today with Tim Hetzner, president of Lutheran Church Charities, about his work with the organization's Canine Comfort Dogs. Well, Tim, I wonder how the team ended up heading to Boston. Did you receive an invitation to go? Or did you just feel led to be there? Or what happened?
2: Well, we never go in any place we're not invited. So we got an invite in through First Lutheran Church, which was in Boston, and it's just uh, three blocks away from where the bombing took place. So the pastor had invited us in to come in with the comfort dog. So that's within 24 hours. We were on the ground at his church with uh, with dogs and uh, still have a dog out in Boston uh, today, yet still serving, kind of winding down from things since they caught the suspect or the person who did it. So well, it's always by invite that we come in. Generally, we're working through one of our churches and come in, and then that pastor or that church determines our schedule of where where they would like us to be. In many cases, it's in the schools or it's in the nursing home hospital, depending on the situation. And uh, we're there to help serve people that have been uh, victimized in one way, shape, or form from the crisis. And there's always different levels of, of people that have been affected and the whole range of emotions that people have in it. Obviously, if they've lost somebody, uh, they've got you know, deep sadness or sometimes anger depending on the situation. Or maybe it's, it's people that they know that were in it. Or maybe they lost a home in it as we have down here in Waco. Or in some cases, in some disasters, it's, they weren't affected by it and they feel guilty. So it's, a, it's the whole gamut and range of emotions that, that people go through in situations.
1: When you arrived in Boston, what were your initial impressions of the city and its people following the bombings?
2: Well, I, I didn't realize how small Boston really is as far as geographical. I mean, you can walk to just about every place there and how many college students are in that town and how large the medical community is in that town. That town is, is I think somebody said there was like 60 universities in that town and 90 hospitals. So, which I I believe after seeing the town, we were in a wonderful location. The hotel we were staying at and the church we were serving out of as our home base. were all within walking distance. And just uh, each day, people that were in town or, you know, part of the town was uh, in Boston. Part of the town was uh, still a crime scene, which was actually across the street from the church. So we were just on the outside of the restricted area, which was... Uh, really great because if the church was inside the restricted area, we wouldn't have been able to serve out of that church. So uh, we hit the ground running, and uh, and of course, you know, anywhere we go with the with the comfort dogs, when you're walking with you know six or seven or eight comfort dogs down a street, it attracts attention. They're all vested and well behaved, and people just stop and and ask if they can pet the dog, and they do, and they start talking. And all of our dogs had business cards which have their uh, picture on them and their name a comfort dog, and all of our dogs have their own Facebook page, which uh, Twitter account and email address, which some people say, well, that's cute. Well, we don't do it necessarily because it's cute. It's part of an extension of helping people. Because many times somebody that, we have, that has met one of our dogs and has spent time with one of our dogs will then message them on Facebook or send an email and ask if they can meet with the dog again. And so we make that arrangement with the person or the family, So it's also a way to continue communicating and ministering to somebody who's going through something.
1: While you were in Boston, uh, you were on the streets. I imagine you were in the hospitals. Were you also at fire stations with police units?
2: Yes, yes. Yes, with first responders, always. We go first responders. Uh, we always try to catch them without interfering with the work that they're doing. And that's both with the fire department and the police department and, and the other public works people, any people that, you know, have been stressed out because of the uh, situation and all the extra time that, that they're putting in. So we always we always carve in time to, to do that. And the hospitals and uh, also something that the, the group, that many times gets overlooked in disasters are those that are in nursing homes you know they all are affected by this because they have children or grandchildren that have been affected by it and and there they sit and really can't get out but they just and they feel bad so we try to come into nursing homes and spend some time with residents too and let them process to some of the things that are going through their minds because of the uh, of the crisis
1: Can you tell us about some of the most moving of your encounters?
2: Well, I think, you know, in in whether it was in Newtown or in Boston or here in Waco, we see patterns. Many times people on the front end of something that has happened are not able to talk about it. And we see this over and over that the first time that they actually talk about it is sharing it, sharing the story with the dog and they'll just come up to the dog, they'll pet it, maybe they'll hug it, and then they start talking to the dog and share their story with the dog because they're safe. You know, the dogs don't talk back and say well you shouldn't feel that way or give advice they simply are good unconditional love listeners they're big furry counselors is what they are
1: (laughs) can you without breaking a confidence or revealing i guess with whom you might have been speaking share some of the kinds of things that were mentioned in these conversations with the dogs
2: well, it depends on the situation. In Boston, you know, there were many college students that are just fearful about life and confused about life, and then having this happen in their own neighborhood shakes them up on what kind of world they're going to be living in. And so they do a lot of talking about the type of world and some of their fears of this world. Will they have a job when they graduate? with people in the hospital who were physically affected by the bombings. You know, we, we talked with people that had leg surgery or amputation on their legs because of it. And, you know, that's a whole range of emotions there from, you know, saying we're going to get back on our feet. We're going to, you know, we're not going to let this get us down. But then there's anger over what happened and how this is going to change their life. I mean, there's going to have to be a new normal that they go through. And of course, in the hospital, too, along in, in some of the same places where people that that were there because of terminal illnesses and some of them young. I think of one lady, one young lady that was in the hospital and she had been in the hospital for months and her mother was up there and said, you know, we're not sure she'll be leaving the hospital. She had a lung disease. And this particular lady, young lady, I should say in her early 20s, loved dogs and had dogs and actually trained dogs and showed dogs. And missed her dogs because she was in the hospital and wasn't able to do that any longer. And so when we brought dogs up to see her, she just went from, you know, feeling sad of being in the hospital, uh, in her situation to just lighting up and just petting the dogs. And we, our dogs do, do what's called lap where they, they can put their paws up onto the bed so the person in the bed can, can pet them. And she just thanked us over and over for having those fun. So we came back again the next day to visit with her. Other people that came by, you know, had that on the street, you know, were in the race. They were affected. They had uh, bandaged legs or arms from it. And again, you know, witness some of the people that were drastically hurt in the the bombing situation. You know, today in Waco, we're with a lot of students who have lost uh, their home. Uh, and some of them have lost a family member that was in it or some who, and it's is really sad because there are still 60 people in Waco that are, are missing and most likely are dead. But, you know, it's still that unknown at this point, are they going to come back home? And so, you know, those children are, are very traumatized. And, and you can tell because of the look on their face. It's just this blank stare and they won't talk. And so when we bring a dog in, they don't talk, but they start petting the dog. And after a little bit of petting the dog, then they start talking. And not too much after that, there's a smile on their face. So it it helps them in the midst of what they're going through. And we don't change their situation, but we're part of the healing process for them to start Processing what has taken place and how their life has changed, and the teachers too. You know, you know, we got here early today before school started to spend some time with the teachers. You know, they're traumatized too because they love their classrooms and their students. And to see what they're going through and feel what they're going through, and and some of them also uh, had homes that were damaged or lost. Or talked to one teacher today; she uh, just broke down and she shared that. You know, she pointed outside of her window and said, you know, there's a cemetery over there. And this was in West the Texas. And she said, you know, we have, my family is four generations here. So we know everybody in this town and are, in many cases, they're related with everybody in this town. And she says, so I have lost people that are family members and are cousins. And, and I see my children in this classroom going through that same thing. And she says, I, it just breaks my heart. So as she's sharing that and starts to cry, she gets down and she starts talking the dog and then she hugs the dog. So, you know, and, and, and then she smiled for a while and I kind of say sometimes when, when they smile, I start crying. So it, it's emotional, but you know, there's an important part of just the ministry of presence. Being there, they were so thankful that someone came in and cared and was there to listen. And that whether it's in Boston or in Waco or in Newtown the ministry of presence, of being there and and showing mercy and compassion to people. It's not what you say. It's the fact that you're there and that you can give them a Mm -hmm. hug and that they can hug the dog. That's healing.
1: Was there for you um, most heart-wrenching or most heart-expanding moment in each of these cities?
2: Oh, I can't even put it down to one at each of them. I mean, it happens every day that people's stories just tug on you on what they're going through and you want to try to be empathetic and understand what they're going through but the truth of the matter is unless you are going through it yourself you can't fully understand it i mean you can't i mean the, the idea of somebody all of a sudden bang their house is gone and their loved one is gone in in minutes you know unless that has happened to you so you you know you don't say to them I understand. What you say to them is I'm here for you, and I give you my love, and uh, allow the dog to minister to them in what they do.
1: Which is good advice, really, in any situation where there's been loss. Sometimes people try to leap in mm-hmm. with words they think will yeah. comfort, when oftentimes people really just need a, a listening ear and a and a hand on yes. the shoulder and a shoulder to just that shoulder to cry on. I wonder what it means to you to lead the, the LCC, and especially this effort with the Comfort Dogs, and wonder how perhaps it has changed your life, the lives of those with whom you're working, your volunteers, the, the individuals with whom you've ministered, the dogs. What kind of a difference has it made in your life, most especially?
2: Well, in my life, it's, like I said, it is after being in parish ministry 25 years, this here, working with the dogs, is one of the most effective ways to touch and minister to people and share the mercy of Christ. It is just one of the most effective ways that God works through his creation. You know, dogs have a sixth sense. They can sense when somebody is troubled. And although our dogs are trained not to be aggressive and go up to somebody, they will nudge the handler and point to somebody. And they are always on target on somebody that needs them. And and we see this all the time where somebody will come up and the dog will just kind of wrap themselves around that person. And they'll look at the dog and they'll look at us and say, how did this dog know? I wish humans mm-hmm. were as keen in understanding that as dogs are. You know the advice that our dogs give humans? They tell humans <laughs> to bark less.
1: <laughs> right. What's that? What is that? It's bark less and something yeah. else more. Be that. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I wonder if there are ways in which people can volunteer with the organization and what you might require of volunteers?
2: Well, what we use all golden retrievers, and we place them in churches or schools. So it's not like a Therapy Dogs International or somewhere where somebody has a dog and they, they get a train. We use all golden retrievers, and we use them, and we get them from birth so that we have the full history of the dog. We love dog shelters, and gosh, if we, if, if we could, we'd probably use dogs from shelters, particularly golden retrievers, but without knowing the history of the dog, because sometimes a dog is abused and you don't know that, and there may be a certain situations where that dog will violently react. And so with us knowing the full history of the dog, we can, can control how the dog is going to behave in all situations. So people can... Uh, you know, through their church, we have, we have people that, you know, volunteer to be trained as handlers, and then we connect them where we're placing the dog, and they then work with the dog at the uh, church or school that we're placing the dog. We have that all the time. I met a lady yesterday at Baylor University, which we also hit college campuses, too, when we're, when we're in, a, in a community, because the college students, too, they, they know what's going on, and they're confused by it, and it helps them to have the dogs there to help them process Uh, the world in which they live in. So people can volunteer by, you know, by volunteering to be a handler, and we train them then with one of the dogs that are already placed, or to, uh, uh, you know, just support the ministry in the different places that we go. When we send out a dog and a handler, we many times send additional person out with them just to, uh, watch things over and to listen to people and in some cases talk to people but also then to watch out and, and protect the dog now, our dogs are trained not to be aggressive so we have to watch our dogs so that somebody doesn't run up behind them and spook them or or anything like that so we've got a whole list of dog etiquette too also with our dogs and we never place ourselves in a position where people have to walk by one of our dogs because some people have allergies or fears. And so we're always off a to the side so that somebody can walk through without having to engage a dog if they're fearful. You know, there's certain situations that, you know, we don't go into with our dogs. unless uh, generally, we don't go into classrooms with dogs. We set up another room and the, the students will come down to see the dogs. However, in Newtown and here, the teachers have specifically asked that we come in. So we, we do it in a way in case there's a child in that in that classroom that has an allergy or a fear that that they don't have to have contact with the dog it's, and not feel embarrassed about that.
1: Well, I wonder if you might have any advice for those who might be listening who would like to begin an organization like this in their area.
2: Well, I think, you know, they can contact the Lutheran Church Charities You know, if what they want to do doesn't fit into what we do as a ministry, we certainly can recommend them to other groups that do similar things, but differently, and they can be involved with them, like Therapy Dogs International and some of the other dog groups. There's wonderful groups out there with dogs. We're just unique in kind of how we have set up with our use of only golden retrievers and by placing dogs and having multiple handlers. That's one of the big, big, unique things of our ministry, and we're Christian-based.
1: Well, as we close out our time together, I wonder if there's anything else that you want to be certain to mention. Perhaps you might uh, tell folks about your website or your Facebook page. Hey, Jez? Well,
2: just just all the dogs are out, they have their own Facebook pages. We have a website for Lutheran Church Charities, and, and you can uh, see all about the dogs there and see picture galleries and, and even request a visit of the dogs to come into an event or a situation and uh, for people to do that. And, uh, you know, we're always helpful for support because we never charge the people in a community that we come in and serve. So we always come in free, pick up all of our own expenses, and provide for ourselves coming in because we don't want to put any additional burden on people in the community. So we rely on donors to allow us to be able to do that.
1: And folks can receive more information about that possibility and uh, and everything else via, as you've said, your website, the various uh, Facebook pages. And thank you so much, Tim, for, for being with us today. And, and thank you for the extraordinary work that you do through uh, Lutheran Church Charities and through its Canine Comfort Teams.
2: Well, thank you, and thank you for having such a wonderful program, too, in in communicating with people. So we're thankful for for what you do. So God bless you, and, and keep up the great work.
1: Thank you. And uh, more information, photographs of the teams are found on Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly's blog page. If you have any questions or comments related to this episode, I'd invite you to email me at the address that you'll find there. And as always, I hope you'll come along with me next time as we head out On the Road with Mac and Molly.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.